0: Let's start with a word of prayer again. Father, thank you for bringing us each here again, and I ask your special blessing on Dylan, on each person in the Gideon Rescue Team. You've heard um, the things that he's told us about their next trip to the Ukraine and the human impossibilities that surround Iraq. We praise you that your power goes beyond anything that um, is set up against your name. I praise you that your word will go to Iraq in the way that you want it to go. And I praise you for the way that um, Dylan and this team have faith in you. Thank you for opening the doors for them and for blinding eyes. Amen. Okay, so remember in the the first one when I talked about Turkey about that I really felt that we had failed that we why did why could we not find those people that were buried and what what else did God have in store and I was thinking later that if we had found those people we probably would not have gone back to Turkey the second time and that. That was an amazing trip to Turkey the second time, but the this this trip is God is faithful because God is faithful, and he's not only faithful in the the little things but also the big things <laughs> okay. If the Lord desires us to bear a message to Nineveh, it will not be as pleasing to us to Him for us to go to Joppa or to Capernaum. He has reasons for sending us to the place toward which our feet have been directed. At that very place, there may be someone in need of the help we can give. He who sent Philip to the Ethiopian counselor, Peter to the Roman centurion, and the little Israelitish maiden to the help of Naaman, the Syrian captain, sends men and women and youth today as His representatives to those in need of divine help and guidance. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and and the Lord would deliver me from every evil work, and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He who called the fishermen of Galilee is still calling men to his service, and he is just as willing to manifest his power through us as through the first disciples, however imperfect and sinful we may be. The Lord holds out to us the offer of partnership with himself, of apprenticeship to Christ. He invites us to come under the divine instruction that that uniting with Christ we may work the works of God. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. So somehow, when I got back to uh, the United States after... I got back on Friday. I told my wife that I needed to go back. There was something else I needed to do, and I didn't know what it was. I'd just been gone for 10 days, and she said, okay. And on Sunday morning, I flew out again to Turkey um, with uh, a few other people, with Corey um, and then some nurses that came with us. Um, And our plan was to do medical work, We had another uh, nurse, Andrea, meet us from um, the Czech Republic, I think is where she was from, right there. And as we were uh, flying into um, Adana, where we had got the helicopter the first time, we were flying in and all of a sudden the plane just took off again, just before it landed, and they said there was a massive earthquake that if we had landed in that earthquake, hit, it would have thrown us off the runway. But we had, just before we had landed, the earthquake hit, and he was able to get off the ground again. And we circled around. They said the airport was fine, and we landed. But the city of Hatai, where we were going again, um, over 250 more buildings fell and killed a bunch more people. And this is now just over two weeks after the earthquake. So there were still aftershocks all the time. Um, so once the team was there, we didn 't know what to do now instead of this being an emergency operation center where we could we could come and go as we want, it was now like a regular airport we could not come and go as we want there was security we couldn 't move anywhere um, we couldn't definitely couldn 't go out on the tarmac to look for a helicopter um, but I felt really impressed that morning that I had to go look for a helicopter again I was like i 'm just going to go look again and um, I decided to try to my tried going out onto the tarmac so I climbed over the security gate and I walked past everybody that was standing there nobody said anything and I walked over to the door this door that has to be opened with the key card and I was like what do I do what do I do like lord help me and I just put my fingers in the door and I opened the door and I walked out onto the tarmac and I just started walking up I knew exactly where to go because I had already done it the time before so I walked back to the same security guard, and he, I was like, I need to get over to the Coast Guard. And he's like, you again. <laughs> he's like, okay. So he took me over there, and I walked back over to the same guy that I had met two weeks prior who remembered me. He was still wearing the patch. And he's like, hey, and we were talking back and forth, and I said, can, is there any way we can get a helicopter? He's like, I don't think so, but we can try. So he took me back in, and the commander was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Just, it's. I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. I was like, all right, well, I had to try. So they took us back over, and we were trying to figure things out, and we were like, should we wait to see if God provides a helicopter, or do we pursue a taxi for eight hours to drive us all the way back to Hatai? And um, I was like, you know what? We need to be reasonable. I was like... We're gonna wait until twelve till twelve o'clock. If we don't have a helicopter at twelve by twelve, we're gonna get a taxi because we need to be there before dark. So um at eleven fifty-five, this lady walks in and she's like, I'm she spoke to English, she's like, I'm with the Department of Foreign Affairs for Turkey, and I hear you guys are wanting a helicopter, we're gonna get you a helicopter. And we're like, awesome. I like it. We didn't even, there was nobody there in the airport, no rescue teams. We were just some people that asked for a helicopter. And they sent the government over to give us a helicopter. And the Coast Guard, um, But those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. So they escorted us over to the Coast Guard place. And the Coast Guard was like, we get to fly you. And the guy that I had originally met was like, I get to be your pilot. And he was super excited. We got him some literature. We prayed with him. And um, he he flew us um, all the way back into Hatai again. And we had no idea or no clue about like what we were going to do when we got there. We had nothing lined up. But I was like, and you can see these are all olive trees and tea trees. It was really pretty flying over eastern Turkey. I was just out cold. I was so tired. Everybody else was like, man, this is our first time ever on a helicopter. And I'm like, with God, this is like normal. <laughs> it's my third time in the last couple of years. So we landed in a field, and these guys met us, and they picked up our bags. They said, we have a ride for you wherever you want to go. Like, okay, and they took us to a vehicle and they drove us all around wherever we needed. Um, We ended up with this family, and we had worked with him, his, her husband. um, His name is Tahir. We actually searched for and we found his mother's body in the in a building that had collapsed. He had fifty-seven funerals that he had to go to out of out of all of his friends and his family. That's a lot of funerals. But him and his three girls and his wife were in their building, and the, the earthquake happened, and they started to run out, and a wall fell on all of them. Boom. And they were all pinned under the building, and the earthquake, it shook for 110 seconds. That's how long that earthquake lasted. And um, once it quit, he lifted up the wall enough that they were able to climb out, and block the wall up for him to climb out. So his immediate family was all fine. And they were living in a little tent shelter behind uh, their little olive oil factory. And that's where we stayed for two nights. They fed us. They provided warm clothes and uh, blankets for us. You can see just pictures of what it was like. So this was the building that we originally uh, looked at. Um, And I wanted to read something real quick. Um, What we claimed that whole time was Psalms 40. And we read it. Every morning when we were digging for these people, and I just want to at least read a little bit of it here today. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in an order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And we, we read this. We actually read it in a worship just before we started this. And we're like, man, this is really powerful, especially digging in an earthquake. And then um, we read it here, because that was the building we worked in for those 62 hours. And they had demolished it looking for the people. So there we are, the whole team. And we were not sure. We Our plan was to do medical works. So we're like, we're going to do medical work. And we kept pushing that and pushing that. And it doesn't matter how many times we go on these missions. We we're all sinful and we're all selfish and we all try to put our plans above what, what God is. Even, even we were just like, we got to do medical work and nothing was working out. We tried the medical hospital. We were told you can't be here. So we're like, we can't even work in the country. So we're like, man, we probably, I don't know what we're going to do. So we started walking around the city and we ended up in a little, um, tent village. And, uh, We just knelt down and we prayed and we we read this. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So we prayed and this guy comes up and clearly there were no tents available anywhere. And he comes up in perfect English and is like, you guys need a place to stay? We're like, yeah. He's like, well, there's two tents available right here. He's like, and he was cleaning out all the nasty clothes and all the blankets that covered in scabies and lice and all this stuff, getting it all out. And he, um, the, he threw the pile of blankets, and he said, I'm sorry, these are all the blankets we have. And we didn't bring any blankets because everything was provided the last time, and we're like, no, we're going to trust God. We even convinced the nurses that came with us not to bring sleeping bags. We're like, no. Trust God, He will provide. So when those blankets were provided, everyone was grossed out and discouraged and were like Corey was like, it's fine for me, and he sprayed hand sanitizer on everything, laid it in the sun, was like, I'm gonna use it. I'm like, Good for you, I'm not using it. <laughs> and <laughs> um these tents you can see they're they're like the like they're like um the Mexican blankets that you get at the gas station. They're really they would hold all the diseases, everything. It's like this is gross. Why can't we have the plastic tents where we can clean them? But that's not what God had in mind. And uh, they, they, he said, well, there's a huge uh, medical uh, camp. They have all the, they have all of the medical supplies, but they have no medical pers- professionals. Um, but there, there's no interpreters. We're so sorry. But um, you guys have the medical. Uh, professionals and we have all the supplies you can come and help us we just got to figure out how to translate and we're like okay so we decided to pray for a translator and for blankets and it started to get dark and we were like oh, what do we do and it was getting dark and I just felt impressed to walk around the camp a little bit and this camp there's 5,000 tents in this camp and there were no bathrooms and no showers, and it's now almost three weeks after the earthquake, and everywhere you went, it was just, it was nasty, and um, we're walking around, there were blankets that had been used by people for two weeks that were in a pile, and it's like, I can't use those, those are so gross, and um, walking around, and I see this guy standing there looking at me, and I'm like, what does he want, so I walked over to him, and I was like, how's it going? And he spoke English. He's like, he's like, what are you guys doing here? And I was like, well, we're here to do medical work. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah, we were here for the earthquake uh, a couple days after, and uh, now we're back again. He's like, really? He's like, I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm delivering blankets. I was like, Really? He's like, yep. He's like, you need any? I was like, well, we don't want to take, we've see we seen people without blankets. We're like, we don't want to take any anybody's blanket. And he's like, no. He's like, don't worry. We have two semi-truckload fulls of brand new blankets. He's like, how many do you need? I was like, well, there's seven of us. He's like, okay. He's like, give me a half an hour. So we go back, and as I walk back, I see our team talking to uh, some people. Um, these people in red. That's uh, Aisha, Mary bon, Jonathan, and then there was another, another guy. And he's taking the picture, actually. I don't remember uh, uh, his name. And we, they were our interpreters. He, they're like, we were called down here from Istanbul a couple days ago, and we're here to work with the medical team. But we have no medical experience, but we, we speak Turkish, and we speak Arabic and English. And they're theology students for the for Muslim, for the Muslim region, religion. They're like, do you mind if we camp with you guys and you, we can set up our tent next to you guys and cook and eat and do everything right with you guys? We're like, yeah, that's great. And uh, so we got to interact with them. Every night we had worship. We sung hymns. We read from the Bible. And then they would sing their, their songs and they would read from the Quran, and um, we would all pray together. And uh, it was great. And all of our food was provided. It was actually a pizza truck that provided all the pizza for the whole camp every day. We got very tired of pizza. But it was really cool how we got to interact with them, and we're still in contact with them. Eating pizza. So then we got escorted over to the medical camp where they had all the medical supplies and we would load our backpacks full of medical supplies and medicines and bandages and everything and then we would walk because we would drive as far as we could and then the roads and bridges would be out so then we would walk and we walked miles and miles a day to these little villages, tent tent villages and we would do medical, do, do medical stuff. A lot of it, most everything we saw was sick. It was like sickness and burns. A lot of because it was like 30 degrees at night, and the kids were everybody's sleeping huddled around a little wood stove, and they're cooking water on it, boiling water for tea. And a lot of kids had really bad burns on their hands and their legs from the water tipping over. And a lot of broken bones that were like two weeks old that were untreated, and uh, stuff like that. But we very quickly you can imagine how quickly we would run out of medicine when we're doing a camp of five thousand people and we have two backpacks so i'm I've always been into the wilderness and the woods and uh, primitive living and survival skills so i was um, I was gathering all kinds of medicinal plants and showing them how to make these teas that would help with their their cough and their their sickness and their breathing and lower fevers and all this so we very quickly were able to show them, and, like, they could go out and gather their own stuff. So that, that helped a lot. And we, did, we, taught how to, we taught them how to do, like, hydrotherapy, hot and cold stuff, and uh, stuff like that. So we went all over, all over the, like, we were really close to the Syrian border, maybe 12 miles. And some of these villages were, before the earthquake, were frequently attacked by uh, the Sharia al al-Qaeda group and before we had gone to one village they had launched a rocket and killed eight people and then a sniper had killed three more and it's like why why do, I do this after an earthquake like this when people are already don't have anything it, the it's really cool we go with nothing we showed up with literally nothing i even brought a i brought a toothbrush and i was like I brought a toothbrush, and we always make jokes that, oh, all we need is a toothbrush. Well, that's not all we need because I dropped my toothbrush, and I did not want to pick it up off the ground. And some guy comes over, and he's like, you need a toothbrush? And he gave me two. So we don't even need a toothbrush going on these missions because everything is provided. The vehicle that, that – our transport vehicle that provided all the medical supplies, they also followed us around with clothes, with toys, with shoes – with food, everything, and all we had to do was distribute it. God sent us everything we needed and more. There's us walking. This little boy, his name was Mohammed. And it was really sad. When we first saw him, I saw his foot, and I could tell it was was super infected. It was super burned, and I was like, this is not good. I was like, we've got to, we've got to get him to the hospital. We had, we had just walked probably three or four miles in, and um, there was no, no way to get a vehicle there. Every, every, they were only like everybody, all their stuff they had to carry in. All these people, they had no car, no nothing, and no vehicles could get to them. So when we get there, I'm like, he has to go to a hospital. Everyone was like, his foot is, it's going to turn gangrene, and he's going to lose it, or worse. And um, th- this is, like, one person out of, like, 1,500 that we had to go and see. We're like, we can't, we can't spend all our time on this one. We have 10 others just like him. So we're like, can we pray for him? And we're like, they're like, yep. So we we actually held him. They held him down, and we cut all the dead skin away from his, his foot and put a whole bunch of burn bandages on and wrapped it up. And we're like, you have to get him to a hospital. And uh, we prayed for him, and we left, and we moved on. And... Uh, about ten minutes later, this little boy uh, named Abraham or, or Jonathan, one of the two, came running up. And he's like, you won't believe what happened. He's like, right after you left, an ambulance showed up and took the whole family to a hospital. And they're like, they are like, did you?" They, they kept asking us, did you send the ambulance? And we're like, no. There's no way we could have sent the ambulance. There's no way to, for a vehicle to even get there. But that ambulance, God sent that ambulance, carried it over the bridge, that was out to get that little boy to a hospital. So this was in the village where the rocket had hit. But you can see most most everybody is women and children. A lot of the men had died, in, especially in the second earthquake. Yesterday, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll oh, fear no evil, for you're with me. You're brought on your staff, they come for me. So this this text, when we were, we didn't even, everybody was like, we have to be out of here before dark. This is a very dangerous part of Turkey. It's very frequently attacked by the Al-Qaeda group. We have to get out. And we just kept telling everybody, no, God's got it in control. We're just going to go and work until we're done. and And we just felt at peace the entire time. I could never explain that type of peace, especially in, a place like that. But you, you look at him, and you'd never know that he lost his wife and his four other children in the earthquake. And he has his little girl, and he's so happy, and it's like he was so grateful that we were there. We gave her a bunch of clothes and a bunch of toys, and he was just so grateful and happy in balloons. We ran out of balloons so quick, we were blown up with latex gloves. From that's, that's what's left of that whole village. And a lot of those women and children. They were given haircuts. So this is the, they called themselves the Cachado's rescue team. They didn't have any medical experience or rescue experience, but that's what they were called. And they are the ones who provided all the medical supplies, all the transport, all the food, everything. And they gave everybody haircuts, which the kids thought it was great. But it was for the lice. There were so much bugs and lice everywhere. So it was uh, actually Sabbath. We were driving around doing this, and we're like, "Man, we haven't eaten anything besides pizza in like a week. I'm starving, and like we would miss dinner because we were out late, and we had missed the pizza truck." And we're like, we see all these oranges and lemons. We're like, man, we could just, I could go for some nice fresh lemons and oranges. And as soon as we were thinking that, the the truck stopped, and they were like, get out and pick as many oranges as you'd like. And we're like, we filled a whole, like, 58-liter backpack full of of oranges to take back to everybody. Um, but that was not what God had in store for us. We... Um, pulled up to this place, and the guy was like we 're going to get out and have tea and it 's like oh we 've had tea at every stop that we 've stopped at. Everybody gives us tea and we were starving, we were tired, and we were ready to get home and go to sleep. So we walk into this building and they 're like This whole meal is prepared for us, and it was all completely vegetarian, and it is not it is not very uncommon in that country to have a whole goat prepared on the table for visitors. And instead, they had vegetarian wraps. And when nobody knew. We didn't tell them anything, nothing. And everything was provided. It was very spicy, but it was very good. Um, This is the guy that hosted us. He had a restaurant and a little hotel there, and he hosted 2,000 people after the earthquake on his own expense and gave everything he had for them. And um, he comes up to us, and this is Sabbath night, and he's like do you guys want a shower and we're like we haven't had a shower in like a week and that would be great and he's like well, follow me and we were all joking we're like they were like oh it's it, do you think it'll be hot no it's going to be cold it's going to be and we're like i was like even though there was like they had electricity but it was going run off a generator there was no running water anywhere and i was like you know what i was like god's going to give us a shower it's going to be a hot shower and i told him that and we walked into the the shower house or the bathtub, bathroom, and the he turns on the light, and I'm like, oh, it's an actual shower. And he turns it on, and I felt the water, and it was really hot. We, had, we all got a hot shower that night. And then a bunch of food and a bunch of oranges, and we drove back to the rest of the team that didn't have any of that. And we told them, we're like, this is what, what God did, and they were like blown away. They're like, man. And they got a bunch of oranges. They didn't get a shower, though. There's these this we worked with a lot of uh they called them there's like the SWAT team for the for Turkey, their special operations police force there. So that little boy his family um were migrants from Syria and refugees and their city is uh Iblib, Syria and it was we bombed them very heavily a couple years back. And his whole there's like Eight kids, and he's the youngest. But all of them are um, any anybody within six years old and older um, all had horrible burns on their hands and all over their body from the bombings. Like a lot of them couldn't they couldn't open their arms past this. They couldn't open their hands because their scars had had healed and their their skin wasn't stretching. And they just needed plastic. All of his siblings and that whole village, that whole Syrian refugee camp, all of them were from Idlib, Syria, and a lot, all of them had that. And it's like, we, there, it's just, you feel like you make such little impact on like one family when there's a hundred families that are there that look just like that. It's like even if, if everybody came and like, there's just, there's so much work. There's so much work and there's so few hands to do it. But we actually, uh, that's his brother. That's the one that came running over to us and was like, an, an ambulance came and picked up that little boy. But his mother was very pregnant and was sleeping on the floor like this, and we had a bed, a mattress, um, down at our camp. So we, we drove that mattress as far up as we could, and then we carried it the rest of the way up for her. And we put it in there, and they we got to – it's really cool because you can see where they're living. They have absolutely nothing, and everything was that was theirs was ours. They gave us so much food. They provided – they cooked everything for us, they they tried to give us all kinds of stuff, and it's like they have nothing. They have nothing, and they were still making sure that they we took priority. You know, and that's that's true love. That's that's putting yourself before somebody else. And um, the the Middle Eastern culture is very much like that. I we could learn a lot from the Middle Eastern culture. But we played soccer until ten o'clock at night with those little kids, and it was amazing. They're really good. I don't think I had the ball more than like twenty minutes or two minutes in that whole. But um, so I'll, the thing is, they told us you cannot be out after um, after dark. They said you'll. It's very dangerous. You won't. They they kept telling us you have to be back. You have to be back. And by the time we got that mattress over there, it was already dark. And the kids wanted to play soccer. And I was like, you know what? It's already dark. We're just going to play, and then we'll walk the five miles back in the dark. And um, it was, there was like four of us, and we just started walking back. After we were done, it was like 1030 at night. And we're walking back along the streets, and I just was like, we got to pick the most lighted areas and just stick to that and just go as fast as we can. And uh, this van pulled up past us and turned around and started following us and we we're like we just got to keep going keep going and I was just praying I was like lord we need we need help I don't know what this is we need to we need to go and I was like let's turn right here and we turned down this alley we ran through the alley and we came out and there's a huge military checkpoint right there so that checkpoint and then that van pulled up looked and they turned around and kept going so god provides his timing is perfect you know he he allows things to happen like that where um I, he doesn't always help us out of the trials, but he helps us through them. You know, like th- that alleyway looked really dark, and like I really didn't want to take it, but I was like, we have to take it, otherwise, these guys are going to catch us. I don't know what they're wanting to do with us. <laughs> so but so you can see up in here, that's where uh, the early Christians hid. and this is the very first church. The church where they were first called Christians in Antioch that Paul started. I have a picture of it right there. So it's really cool. Like all the biblical history, we're in a very Muslim country, and all the biblical history history, it's still a they still have it as a museum. But every day all we did was carry take medical supplies out. And like I said, every night we got to work with these, these uh, Muslim theology students, and they became so interested. They were asking so many questions about what we were doing and um, what our religion was. And like, they were reading us from, they were reading stories to us from the Quran. And a lot of the stories are from the Bible. There's a lot of biblical stories in the Quran, and we would read the Bible story about that, and they'd be like, "Oh." So it was really, really cool to get them interested in asking questions. The um, this guy had actually memorized the entire Quran word for word. You know, and if, if we as Christians would be as committed as they are about the the Quran as we are about the Bible, they knew they knew it every word of it. You I know, mean, how many of us can 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 recite a whole book? Like I can't even I can't even recite a whole chapter. You know, and they can re, they can recite the whole book, the whole book of the Quran. A bunch more patches of collection. This was finally, we got a, a, a break from the pizza. We got olives and cheese. But I will never have another olive here without, their olives are so good. Singing hymns every night. This was a lot of the food that they provided for us in the morning. It was like pizza but it was it wasn't. It was like rolled up with lemon juice. Very interesting. But every this this trip was so different than the first trip where we felt like we had failed this trip. It's like we actually we actually felt like we were accomplishing something where we were we were able to make long-term connections with some of these people and relationships with these people where Um, they've actually asked for great controversies and asked for a Bible. So this we stopped at a, it was a mass grave. Each, and they, this is only a little, it was like a, a 40 to 60 acre field. And each one of those numbers coincide with a block on the city where that person was found. And these are the people that were unclaimed or that were not recognizable or a whole family that was wiped out. And there were so many, like, I've, I've, they, were, they were spreading lie over everything. It was very, very sad. And family members are, they're trying to dig people up to recognize them. Family members are looking for their family. And um, it was unbelievable, very solemn experience. But we asked if we could pray here. Or they asked us if we could pray, and we're like, yes, let's pray. And um, we, we, there was a bunch of Muslims, and they, all, they asked if we would pray our Christian prayer. Like, yes, we'll pray our Christian prayer, and we, we prayed to Jesus, and we all knelt down, and our, our Mary Bunn, our Muslim interpreter, knelt down with us and prayed to Jesus just like we did. And I've never heard a prayer like that. She was crying, and her, her hands were up like this, and she was just praying in English. And uh, the Imam, Imam, the, the, the other Muslim, they all prayed, and um, it was just a, a chance that a lot of them had never even seen a Christian. And we got to we got to pray with them and to talk with them and hear their stories and hug and it was we're there to spread hope. And do, do we always do these great amazing rescues? No, this no hardly ever. Like I've never never done anything that. Like what we did in Turkey was the was the most we've ever done on a response like that. A lot of times we don't even get that opportunity, but we're we're not there for that. We're there to to spread love and uh, to let people know that there's more people out there that care for them. So you can see there's a bunch of old wounds. This, this girl had a, had a broken leg that was all sutured up and then they wrapped it and they didn't change the bandage for two weeks and it was like in grown into the bandage and it took us like almost an hour to get that bandage off. But she was really, really tough little girl. There's a broken finger. The guy was like, Can you fix it? And it's like, No, we can't fix it. <laughs> um, so, this lady, um, we were in this tent, and they said, Can you come look at, at this lady? She's in her 90s. She has not been able to walk, um, she had fallen and, and broken her hip in the earthquake. And they said, she can't walk. Can you come look at her? And we looked and we're like, yeah, it's, I, don't know what, I don't know what we're going to do. And we're like, um, we told them about hydrotherapy and like stuff like that. We didn't have anything else. We were out of medicine. And um, Corey was like, can we pray for you? And she was like, yes, let's pray. So we, we prayed for her. And um, Corey was like, I'd really like to see you walk again. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. And she, so she tried to get up, and everyone was like, oh, like, no, no, no. And she stood up. And everyone was just like, then one lady comes running running out of the tent, and she's there like, she's yelling something, and then everybody's coming into the tent. And uh, we, she walked out like this. Everybody's like holding her, balancing her. She walked out. She walked around, and then she sat down. And everyone's asking, what happened, what happened, what happened? And they said they prayed to Jesus. They prayed to Jesus. And the lady sat down and she's like, "Please, let's pray again and we prayed again, and she was so happy. she got up and she started walking around again. Everybody was like happy they were crying, they were laughing it was the emotions were all over the place. everybody was so excited, and she was so happy and I have never seen anything like this, and to see that like I've heard stories, but when you when you see that firsthand and you see you pray and you ask for something like that and then it happens i mean there's we limit god so much when we ask for things like i said before and god knew that this needed to happen for everybody around to see this and to give him glory because they, what did they say they said that they, we prayed to jesus there's a the lady we found out later that she's been walking just fine and no issues at all and just going back to herself, and you think about it: when a ninety-year-old lady falls and breaks the hip and lays in bed for two, two and a half weeks, I mean, that's a, it's it's a miracle. So, these are all the team members again, and we went from being the outsiders to being everybody's best friend. We were. They fed us, they gave us whatever we needed, and um, we come back from that day trip, and we go to get our tent, go back to our tent, and every single tent, all 5,000 tents were gone. And everything that was in the tents was in a massive pile in the middle of the field. And we're like, oh no, we start looking out, and we're like, oh, there's two tents that are still standing. And we walk out there, and our tents were perfectly standing, nothing was touched inside of them. They were the only two tents that were permanently there. Every other tent was taken down. And at the beginning, we were like, why did we have to have these tents? They're so gross. And then at the end, it's like those were the tents that God had in mind for us all along because all of our stuff was in there. Um, everything was taken. No, or nothing was touched of our stuff. And every, everybody else's stuff was in a big pile, and people were just going through it. After we got done working with them, um, it was we decided. You know what? What are we gonna? Um, it's it's getting close to the time that we need to go, and we're like, Lord, what do you want us to do? If you want us to go, we'll go. If you want us to stay, we'll stay. And right after we prayed, and we, we just knelt there in the street and we prayed. A vehicle showed up and said, "We'll take you to the airport." I'm like, okay, this is God telling us we're we're done and we can go. We'll go to the airport. So we go to the airport, and. We get in line, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, there's no tickets for ne- for the next three days. They're completely sold out, and there's a waiting list. We're like, okay, so maybe this is God saying that it's, not, it's we still have work to do here. So we're standing there talking, and we're just getting ready to pray about what where God wants us to go. And next thing I knew, uh, Mary Bunn comes running over, and she's like, She's like, quick, quick, give me your passports. There were seven cancellations, and there's seven of us. We can all get on the plane right now. And it's like, this is the definite answer that we were waiting for. This is God saying, he, he, he leads us there and shows us that, yep, with man, it is impossible. But with me, anything is possible. And he gets us on that plane. And we actually got to spend um, the night in Istanbul with Mary Bun's family. And we had a big Bible study with all of them. And she was very interested, but her dad was not interested. But it it all works out good for a plan. And we're still in contact with them. They, they've they they've requested some Bibles. And uh, we got to give them all a great controversy and a steps to Christ. And she was like, I don't have anything to give you, but I'd like to give you my Quran. So she gave me her own personal Quran that was all highlighted and everything. It's like, and in trade, she took a steps to Christ. And this whole mission, even if it was just for her or just for her friends that were with us, it was worth it. You know, we, we left the other mission, the other, the other uh, trip to Turkey, thinking that what did we accomplish? I felt like we accomplished nothing. And this trip around, God had this all worked out where we needed to come back and we needed to meet with Mary bon and Aisha and um, uh, Yosef and all those people. And we needed to be there to pray for that lady and to pray for uh, Mohammed and his foot. That's what we were there for. And um, there were so many stories like this. It's like there's endless. Uh, God blesses so much that you can't even, like that, that uh, verse in Psalms forty says, they could not even be numbered. And if we keep the service of God supreme, we will watch those perplexities vanish. Just so easily catch us and hold us down. So there we are, like 10 minutes apart, wondering what we're going to do. And the cool thing is, we actually got to take these prayed-for blankets home because we were going to give them to somebody. But when we got back to camp, everybody was gone, and all the tents were gone except ours. So we tried to give all the blankets away, and we ended up with two extra blankets. So I got to keep, I brought my prayed-for blanket home. And he said to them, When I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, Nothing. And what did we lack? We lacked absolutely nothing. In fact, we gained. You know, we we gained so much. We need to now, we need now to be prepared for the closing scenes of this earth's history. Let all search their own hearts diligently and be converted, that their sins may be pardoned. The world is becoming more and more decidedly opposed to God and to the truth of God. All who will do the will of God will be successful in obtaining knowledge and their experience will be valuable. We must now prepare to do a great work in a short time. We must have an individual experience, and if we will come to the Lord in humility, he will be found of us, and and he will work with us, and his salvation will be revealed. This is one of my favorite. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, and there's... The fiery darts can be discouragement, you know, uh, hardships, trials, even, even a path that looks like the good path, you know. And is that the path that we want, that everybody thinks is the good path, or do we want the path that we think is the good path? We want the path, the little narrow path that God has in store for us. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what I want everybody to go away with. Hear my, send me. Whether it's to your own community, whether it's to Turkey or to Iraq or Ukraine or the next Gideon Rescue mission that comes up or a mission that you guys want to go on, that you will say, hear my, send me. Wherever it is, whatever it is, send me. I want to share one quick little story of a trip in, in Indonesia. Um, the, like like we said, the hardships that come, if we wait for them to pass and we, we wait for the clear path, that will never come. We need to urgently or courageously say, take the path that God has set before us. And when I went to, I came back from Indonesia and there was a as I got back, there was a big hurricane that hit um, Florida, Hurricane Michael. And I was, I told Brock, I had left to go to Indonesia, and I had dropped four big trees into this person's yard. And the, the yard was just covered in trees, big trees, like oak trees, like this big. And I was like, I have to clean that up, in, and then I can go. And I have to be able to bring my dog. I said, Brock, you call and you find an airline. I don't have any more money that will fly me to uh, Panama City, Florida, with my dog, and I have to get this cleaned up. And he said, okay. He said, nothing's too little for God. You go and you start working, and I'll call around and find a a flight for you. So I showed up at the job site, and I got out of my truck, and I started up my chainsaw, and I started cutting. And I see the lady, the homeowner, come walking out to me, and she says, thank you so much. You did a great job. And she gives me money, and I'm like, all right. And I put it in my pocket. I was like, I'll finish. She's like, it looks good. I was like, "I was like, it looks good. I was like, it's not, I'm not done. She's like, it looks done to me. I'm like, "It's it's not done. I'm like, she just picks up a rake. She's like, I'll finish the raking. I gave you some extra money for your mission trip. Go ahead. I was like, so I'm sitting in the car, and I'm like, I'm like standing there watching her rake. And I'm like, does she not see the four big oak trees in the yard? And then Brock calls me, and he's like, he's like, he's like hey, buddy, I found you a, a private jet that'll fly you from Atlanta to Panama City, and you can take your dog for free. I was like, really? I was like, well, the lady told me I'm done, and she's raking up the yard, and I don't know how she's raking around these big trees. And he's like, he's like there's angels helping her. Get on the road. And so I drove down to Atlanta from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and got on a private jet that flew me and my dog to Panama City. So even when these obstacles seem so impossible, that it's, it's, it is, it is humanly impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And for, for me to sit there and watch this perplexity vanish, it built my faith so much that now it's, it's easier to take another step of faith and another step of faith. And I just want to encourage all of you, even if it seems impossible at the time, it's not. If God is calling you to go. Go. And if God is calling you somewhere else, just go. Don't don't let that doubt sneak into your mind. So, just want to encourage everybody and thank you for the opportunity to come and talk to you guys about Gideon Rescue Company and your support for going to Iraq and to Ukraine is greatly appreciated. We'll be able to hopefully get some return tickets. So, thank you. Um, let's have a closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to come here and talk to the Marshfield Church about you and about what you have did in Ukraine and Turkey and Indonesia and um, even into Panama City. And we just um, know that you have a whole bunch of missions already lined up for us. We're just waiting to go. And Lord, there's so many missions right here and in my own community of an Ironwood and and right here in Marshfield where um, there's somebody that you have in mind for each and every one of us to meet and to talk to. Please direct us to that person and give us the words to speak. Lord, you say that if we come to you and we search for you with all our heart, Lord, we will find you. And um, just thank you, and thank you for a good Sabbath. Please protect everybody as we drive back and be with the, the upcoming mission to Ukraine and to Iraq. In Jesus' name, amen.